If you would, take out your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we're finishing up our short four-week series, What in the World is the Church? As we turn to God's Word, let's ask for His blessing. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, as your people are gathered now to hear you speak to us through your word. Would you indeed open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word so that we would know what we are to believe about you and what duty you ask of us. Father, your, may your word be our rule, your Holy Spirit, our supreme teacher, and your greater glory be our supreme good. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. What do you think about when you immediately, when you hear these words? Church growth. Church growth. Are you immediately excited or are you suspicious? Are you motivated or are you skeptical? Do you hear faithfulness or rather do you think compromise? In other words, is growth good or not? Um, I was challenged recently when uh, someone, we were talking about growth and they reminded me that, you know, cancer grows also. Not all growth is good. But today we're going to look at church growth from the perspective of God's word as we finish this series. What in the world is the church? And I hope that all of us will gain an understanding and appreciation for what God has to say about church growth. Here we are in Acts 2, 42 through 47, a description of life where the work of the Spirit is evident. Remember what happened at Pentecost. God's people become the Spirit-filled body of Christ. It's a new family. The Word and the Spirit work together to produce a conviction of sin, a confession of faith, and a congregation. In other words, they work together to build and form the church. Now, these marks that we've been looking at at the church so far, a learning community, a loving community, a worshiping community, and today a witnessing community, these marks of this first spirit-filled community are all concerned with the church's relationships. First of all, to the apostles' teaching and submission. To each other in love. To God in worship. And as we will see this morning, to the world in outreach or witness. Join with me as I read verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those 
who were being saved. So far, we've seen the church described as a school with teaching and learning. As a family where there's fellowship and there's a common life and love. And last week, as a church, worship that is formal and informal, that is joyful as well as reverent. Well, today we're going to take a look at this fourth evidence that Luke mentions of the Spirit's presence, that being devotion to witness. Well, in unpacking this devotion to witness, we'll see that the church is a community that is both devoted and dependent, devoted to evangelism and dependent upon the Lord. The church, first of all, is a community devoted to evangelism, to outreach, to mission, to witness. Notice how verse 42 started off. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. They were devoted, continuously persistent and persevering. It's that sense, once again, of being stuck like glue. And more than just actions, it's an attitude because the devoted practices come out of a devoted heart, an attitude from a new and a changing heart. But where do you see them being devoted to evangelism, to missions, to witness? Well, it's not in verse 42. You're right, it's not there. Because there's a danger in verse isolation. Verse 42 needs to be seen in the whole context of 42 through 47. Because from 42 to the first part of 47, what you see is the aspects of the interior community life of the church. What's taking place, as it were, within the walls of the church. But beginning with the second half of verse 47, what you see is the exterior life of the church, the outreach. Um, Notice Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And, almost an oh, by the way, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Verse 47b will be our focus this morning. And this is the first of several growth statements that you see throughout the book of Acts. The next one will show up in chapter 6, verse 7, where there's a pause. We reflect upon, yes, the the church is expanding from Jerusalem outward to the ends of the earth. Acts, once again, is a historical account to inform and deepen our faith in Jesus Christ. How Jesus kept his promises to be with his church and to build his church through the personal presence and power of his Holy Spirit. In a word, Acts is the outworking of Jesus' promise, I will build my church, Matthew 16, 18. Acts is the story of the first church plant, the Jerusalem church, and from there to the ends of the earth. One commentator said this, Acts is governed by one dominant, overriding, and all-controlling motif. This motif is the expansion of the faith through missionary witness in the power of the Spirit. Relentlessly, the Spirit drives the church to witness, and continually churches rise out of the witness. The church is a missionary church. 
If you'll notice, even on our order of worship, a mission church of the Ohio Valley Presbytery. Now, what that means is we're a church plant. We don't yet have our own elders serving locally on our session. But when we become a separate and particular church, guess what? We'll still be a mission church. We'll be on mission. That won't change. Well, where do we see evangelism and witness? Even in that statement at the end of verse 47, where do we see it? That's a good question. Well, first, I think we see that in the fact that, to begin with, they were devoted to teaching, to fellowship, and to worship. In other words, they were devoted to the normal and expected life and ministry of the church. I mean, think about that. The teaching of the apostles. Now, the teaching of God's word. The fellowship of believers, a common life, a shared life, the church, and worship. Worship. And remember we said last week, well, I thought worship was the chief purpose of the church, and indeed it is. Why isn't it listed first? Because the worship has to be according to the apostles' teaching, and it has to be done in the context of the fellowship of other believers. Corporate worship guided by God's word. They're devoted to teaching, to fellowship, and to worship. And we will see that they will share what they now possess. Have you ever noticed you can't share what you don't have? You can talk about it, but you can't share what you don't have. I mean, kids, do you like sharing with your brother or sister? Uh, I see some honest answers out there, yeah. But... You, you, you got to have something to share it, right? And when you ask somebody to share it, you know, you see it because they got it. Well, here, the church, we will see, has got something, and they're going to share it. And we see that unfold throughout Acts. But not only that, they want to share. They're, you can't be motivated to share what you don't believe in and enjoy. And I think this is not the time, but in days to come, the you know, missions and evangelism and outreach, yes, an absolute part of the church. But you know what? It's an overflow of the life of the church. It's, it's hey, we want you to, to know what we know. We want you to be a part of what we're a part of. We, we want you to know what a right relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. So we see it in the fact that they were just devoted to the normal life and ministry of the church. But we also see it when we consider the fact that the word of God was being proclaimed. You remember, how did these people come to the church? How did they come to the community, to the fellowship? They heard the word of God. Peter, the day of Pentecost, they heard it. They were convicted. You remember, they were cut to the heart. What must we do? They heard the preaching of the word. They were saved, not because of a giant bullhorn in the sky. They weren't saved because they were just grabbed, like with no part in their... They were involved. They heard the word and they responded. It's just the case that in Peter's sermon, God is adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. How is he adding People are hearing the word of God proclaimed. Faith comes by hearing, Paul writes to the church in Rome. 
Peter says that people are born again through the living and abiding Word of God. The Word of God is absolutely central. Now, although we don't see this direct statement that they were devoted to witness, it's true nonetheless. The church is a community devoted to evangelism. We'll see that in the immediate context and all throughout Acts. So while this community is devoted to evangelism, this is also a community dependent upon the Lord. The Lord, we read in verse 47, and when it says the Lord, it's Jesus. Jesus builds. Jesus grows His church. He is the principal evangelist. He is the evangelist. He uses means. The preaching of the apostles. He uses the fellowship, the love, and the example of believers. Now you've heard this before many times. These two passages. And you're hearing them again today. Psalm 127.1 Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Absolute dependence upon the Lord. Absolute work on the part of God's people. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. God's people are doing the normal church thing. They are learning. They are loving. They are worshiping. And in doing so, they are planting. They are watering. God will give the growth. They're working. They're living out the faith. And yet, He did it. The Lord added to their number. Why did He do it? It's His promise. I will build my church. Jesus alone, as head of the church, can bestow salvation. Admit people into the membership of His body, His church. He did it. Jesus did it. How did He do it? Through the person and work of His Holy Spirit. Jesus, after all, is in heaven. But His Holy Spirit is among His people now on earth. And what does the Holy Spirit do, among other things? Declare the truth about Jesus. Regenerate hearts. Indwells believers. Makes believers more like Christ. You see salvation planned by the Father, accomplished by the Son, and applied by the Holy Spirit. Dependent on the Lord to do what? To build His church. Even though there's a laboring, a planting, and a watering, the Lord is building. But notice, this building involves two actions. The Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Notice Jesus saves. We just sang that, didn't we? Jesus saves. He did not add them to the church without first saving them. In other words, at the very beginning, there was no nominal Christianity. What is nominal Christianity? Kids, do you know what nominal means? I used to think nominal meant, well, maybe a one day a week Christian. Maybe a twice a year Christian, maybe a lukewarm Christian, maybe um, just a lazy Christian. You know what nominal Christian means? In name only. 
There's the name, but not the substance. So Jesus doesn't add anyone to his church unless he saves them. And notice, he not only saves, but he adds. He didn't just save them without also adding them to the church. In other words, no solitary Christianity. No nominal Christianity on the one hand and no solitary Christianity on the other. Those who were being saved, ongoing, continuing, day after day. The Lord calls, we saw in verse 39, the Lord saves individually, but then the Lord adds corporately. Salvation and church membership went together in the first century and they still go together today in the 21st century. So Jesus did it by doing two things, saving and adding, adding and saving. Well, what other lesson do we learn from verse 47? How about the question, how often? What was the frequency of this salvation? Well, the verb added lends to understood as kept adding. And the adverb expression day by day or daily, it's not occasional, it's not sporadic, it's ongoing. How many of you all have been in a church that has a missions week? Yeah, of course. It's an important time to, to gather supported missionaries and to focus on the mission support. Absolutely. And it's oftentimes an encouragement for both the senders and the sent. But you know what? It's not limited to missions week. How about the missions conference? Oh, I went to the missions conference. I'm done. No, the work is ongoing. It's daily planting. It's daily watering. It's daily trusting the Lord to cause the growth. Worship and witness were daily. Why? Because they're living the church of learning, of loving, of worshiping. And it's ongoing evangelism and mission. So in summary, people are being saved and added to the congregation of believers, to the church. They're devoted to witness. Yes, but how? By being devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to the fellowship of believers, and to the worship of God. In the church, they learn, they love, they worship. And these three actions lead to and result in witness. I take it for granted that all of us want to share the good news of Jesus. And I hope in the coming days we will be equipped more and more with how to share and what to share. But the foundational way to get started is this. Participate in the life of the church, of learning, of loving, of worshiping. And then pray. Pray. Pray and ask God to be at work in other people's lives. Pray and ask God to be at work in your life, changing you, taking away your fear, taking away your sense of inadequacy knowing that you yourself are the product of someone sharing with you. Have you ever thought about that? Somewhere, somehow, you heard. In the family, at church, at work, at school, somehow you heard the word of God. Do we want to be witnesses? We are devoted then to learning, to loving, to worshiping. 
In his article, The Theology of Acts, David Dockery writes this, the spirit was given in order to create in individuals and in the church a quality of life that would otherwise be beyond their ability. Also, the spirit was given to unite believers into a fellowship that could not be paralleled in any other group. The Spirit's coming was not so much to allow men and women to be comfortable, even though the Spirit is the comforter, but to make them missionaries and proclaimers of the good news. Well, the church in our passage is described as a school, a family, a church, and a missions agency. The church, a missions agency, Actually, the church is the missions agency. How can I say that? Mission to send. John 20, 21, Jesus says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. In Luke 24, 47, Jesus says, repentance and forgiveness should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. That's an echo of Isaiah 52 that we heard read earlier. The mission of the church is to proclaim a message about a man. Think about the preaching on Pentecost. Was it full of interesting stories? Was it full of the latest um, uh, cultural buzz? It was about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his life, his death and resurrection. And what happened? People were cut to the heart. It's to proclaim a message about a man. It's really as simple as that. The great commission to make disciples should really be seen as the great call to worship, to make worshipers. You saw the quote last week, and it's again this week. Why does missions exist? Because worship doesn't. And one day, as you saw a glimpse of it in Revelation 7, the nations are going to be gathered around the throne of God in endless worship. You know, why are we here at Grace and Peace? To call people to glorify and enjoy God, to worship Him. How? By proclaiming in word and deed the gospel of God's grace and peace. Where? It's only found in one place, in Jesus Christ. In other words, we are called to declare the truth of God and to demonstrate the love of God in Christ. That's what we see in Acts 2. Testimony by lip and life. By testimony and by transformed life. Well, if this is our mission, how confident are you that you could carry it out to proclaim the gospel, the message about Jesus with a supernatural combination of both boldness and humility? Someone once said something about what I said and, in a sermon and, and I basically said, well, I don't have an original message. All I'm doing is proclaiming the message that's been given. And that's true for all of us. We don't have an original message. We don't have to come up with anything new. We have to be grounded and equipped with the faith, as it were, once delivered. But where do we start? Again, start with prayer. Ask God to change 
your loved one's life. Ask God to change your neighbor's life. Ask God to change your life and give you a growing desire and an increasing ability to share Christ. So what's your response now when you hear the words church growth? Brothers and sisters, God is all for church growth. Why? Because he's the source of all church growth. I want you all now to look around. It's okay, look around and be amazed. You and I are the outworking of Acts chapter 2, verse 47. May God be pleased to use us in adding to the church those men and women, those boys and girls that he is saving here in northern Kentucky, here in greater Cincinnati. And may this church be and always be a people and a place of biblical teaching and learning, of loving, intimate, walk beside you when you're hurting fellowship, of living and active and engaged worship of the true and living God from the heart. And may it be a place of ongoing and outgoing witness to the glory of God and for the good of all of those that he will bring in to his family. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this inspired and inerrant record of life in a community, life in the church when your word and spirit were active. Oh, Father, we pray that whatever else takes place in this church, that we would never get away from your word and your spirit. Father, you are the one that builds your church, grows your people. Would you be pleased to continue to do that here? And Father, may we be strengthened and encouraged to labor, to be encouraged and equipped to plant and to water. And oh, Father, as the harvest is made known, may we give glory not to us or to our efforts, but may we fall on our faces giving thanks and praise to you, the author and the finisher of our salvation. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And the response is one that reminds us.